So again, as I said, I'm glad that you're here. My name is Lane. I am the family pastor, uh, and I'm uh, preaching today. Brian has been preaching on the New Testament book of Ephesians, and we're going to continue looking at that. We're going to be scanning over over Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and 5. One of the passages that we're going to land on is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. So let's take a look. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Colossians 1.15 says this, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to see God, see Jesus Christ. In John 14, 9, Jesus said this. See, Philip said, God or Jesus, just show us the Father and that will be it. My paraphrase, but that's essentially what he was saying. And this was Jesus' response. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip said, show us God. And Jesus responded with, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you, I've been among you, for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So another reading or another correct reading of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 would be this. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of Jesus. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we get into chapters 4 and chapter 5, it is a long list. And you might hear a long list of do's and don'ts, and you might get exhausted. So I'm kind of warning you up front. But something that helps me is to see, check this out again. Therefore, as dearly loved children, what is my motivation to be an imitator of God? It's not to earn God's favor. It's to not earn God's love. He already loves me. But because I am a child of God, a loved child of God, my response to that is I want to be an imitator of God. We see that just as Christ loved us, while we were still sinners, Scripture says, Christ died for us. And that's how God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we don't become imitators of God to earn God's favor, to earn God's grace. He has already given that to us through Jesus Christ. But because he loves us, because we are His children, we strive to be imitators. That's how we want to respond to our response because of his love that he has for us. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And you're going to hear a lot of things that we need to put off and things that we need to put on. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality 
so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. See, at one point, there were two types of people, if you kind of read through the Scriptures. There were Jews who were part of God's covenant people who belonged to God, and they were Gentiles, and that's everybody else. But through Jesus Christ, he made the two one. Brian last week talked about unity, and through Christ, we are one. There's, in a sense, no Jew or Gentile, because we are one through Jesus Christ. But here, Paul kind of uses some of that similar terminology, but when he says Gentiles, he's referring to anyone who is outside of the life that is in God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And then in this passage, Paul says that they're ignorant, not because they are ill-informed, but because of the hardening of their hearts. They become callous. They're greedy. It's all about me type of people who give themselves over to sensuality to indulge in every kind of impurity because they have lost all sensitivity. How does something like this happen? Well, usually it happens quite gradually, doesn't it? Say we sin. We feel guilty, which is the Holy Spirit's way of getting our attention to get us to repent, which is a turning in our turning from sin in heart, mind, and action. But instead of confessing our sin to God and gladly receiving His forgiveness, for whatever reason, we sin again. The Holy Spirit speaks a little bit louder this time, but we push Him a little bit further and we don't listen because everybody else is doing it, right? We want to join in, right? We don't want to be the oddball among our friends, among our colleagues. No, we want to, we want to fit in because everybody else is doing it. We do it too. And we don't seem to mind after a while anymore because not because it's not wrong. It is... But after a while, we don't care anymore because we have become callous and desensitized. We have hardened our hearts, and the Holy Spirit's voice can't be heard as much as maybe as, it, as he used to be. Now, some of you are here and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And perhaps you are here, perhaps you are in the midst of what I just described, and you're here to appease someone. I'm glad you're here. I can't say it's almost over because the sermon's just begun, but you're going to make it. The end, the end is sight. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope along the way that you do hear about Jesus' love. I hope you do hear that he is waiting and willing to, to receive you when you're ready. Now, as others of you here and you know exactly what I'm talking about and you hit bottom and it knocks some sense into you and that you're turning things around and you have found Jesus waiting and willing to save, to redeem, to forgive, and to restore your heart for him. There's still others of you here and have to say, you're the ones that I'm most concerned about. Because you might not have actually come out and said it, but then again, maybe you have. 
but you've been asking, what can I get away with? How much is too far? What can I get away with and still be a Christian? And you know what I'm talking about. Because you see what everybody else is doing because they're posting it all over their social media. We know exactly what they're doing. You're in the same situation as the Christians in the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to. Ephesus was a paganistic, morally corrupt, and godless city. The Christians in the Ephesian church were well aware of what was going on. They probably even agreed with Paul's assessment of the situation of those around them. He said that, that they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. But though agreeing, the Lord to join in must have been as strong as the pool that you fill. Because why else would Paul then say to them in verse 20, that, however, is not the way you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, we are to be made new continually in the attitude of our minds, which occurs through the dual effort of the Holy Spirit's power that comes through the Word of God in our lives, combined with our willingness to put those attitudes and actions that God considers sin that to belong to the old self, and to put on the new self to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's like this. Imagine, we are to do this continually. We are to do this daily. So let's say you get up in the morning and you take off your big clothes. Imagine that you're putting off your old self. Kind of recommit yourself each day. You're putting off your old self. And then as you're getting dressed, you're putting on your new self and true righteousness and holiness. Your new self that strives to be more and more like Christ. It is continual. It's something we must continue to do. Now, we're going to look a little bit further. As we get into chapter 4 and chapter 5, again, there is a long list, as I mentioned. But as I go through this list, and I'm going to let God's Word speak. So I'm going to have to, the preacher in me wants to interact, interject here and there. But we're going to pretty much let God's Word speak because we need this. This Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5 is a good checklist for us. How are we doing? Let's it, let it be like a mirror that we hold ourselves up to God's Word and let the Holy Spirit show us the areas in our life that, that we need to change, areas of our life that we need to put off. What do we need to put on so we look more like Jesus? So I need you to do two things. And the first is, is this. I need you to be open to the possibility that you just might be wrong we don't like to be wrong we do anything that we can and we blame and we point fingers we don't like cover up we don't like to be wrong but just 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 for this 
Because any time that we come here and we gather and God's word is preached, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And we have to be open to the possibility that we just might be wrong. That God may be wanting to point something out in our life that he wants to change. So, so for this moment here, kind of let's, let's put down our guard and be open to the possibility that you just might be wrong. Now second, and we're going to pray, is I want you to pray with me and pray that the Holy Spirit, that He speaks through God's Word and He points out those areas in our life that we need to work on. Those areas of our life that we need to put off that shouldn't be there. Those areas of our life that we need to put on. So let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for being here. I thank you for your presence here, Lord, among us. Lord, it is an honor to be here. It's an honor to to share your word. Father, you know more than anybody the times that I've felt like an imposter. And dear God, I I wanted a desire in my heart more and more is to be an imitator of you. And I believe that's the desire of, of many here today. And so, Father, we pray that as I read your word, that may the Holy Spirit speak through your word and through his power. May he convict us. May he point out areas in our life that we need to align with you. Areas in our life of things that we need to put off that don't belong and areas in our life that we need to put on in true righteousness and holiness so we may be more like your son. Jesus Christ, because we indeed want to be imitators of you and your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Are you ready? Okay, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Notice, anger itself is not a sin. We have to be careful with anger, though, because it's one of those motions that can get out of hand if it's allowed to, to linger. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stilling must still no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I love this passage because that's exactly what repentance is. It's not just saying, okay, I'm not going to do this. But it gives you something to do. The one who's been stealing, they still no longer, but instead of using their hands to take, 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 they are using their hands instead to glorify God and to meet the needs of other people, doing something useful with their hands. And that's what we have to do is not just say no, not just put off, but may we also notice what God's word says that we are to put on and to replace those things with, those things that aren't aligned with being an imitator with those things that are. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from out of your mouths, out of your fingertips, from your fingertips to your phone, to your keyboard, to your social media. I kind of added that in there. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. If you wouldn't say it to their face, don't post it on their profile or whatever. You all know, I'm not a poser. 
I'm not on Facebook a lot, so I don't know the terminology. But whatever it is, just don't do it. If you wouldn't say it to them, don't put it out there. Or maybe you shouldn't be saying it to them. Okay, back, back to this, sorry. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of their mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll come back to that. But get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Here's the, another motivation. Among these lists, we see we, we're, we're motivated out of Christ's love. We are motivated because of Christ's sacrifice for us. We are motivated to be kind and compassionate and forgiving because Jesus was kind and compassionate for us. And I love this word compassion. I think it's the same word that is that when the Gospels describe Jesus' compassion, it's that Greek word, spalagna, which means gut. I just love that word, and I have to mention it anytime I see it. Because in that culture, they believed that the seat of the emotions wasn't the heart, but the gut. And anytime Jesus had compassion for someone, he, it uses that word, means he hurt in his gut for them. And then he met their needs, or he healed them, or he taught them. And see, that is true com compassion. It's more than just seeing the need and going, oh. But it's seeing the need and then actively doing something about it. But we've got to go back to Ephesians 4, verse 30. Because this is another motivation of why we strive to be imitators of God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Personal spirit, God's spirit. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is inside of us, bringing more life to us, using God's word to, to transform us from the inside out. And when we do the things that we shouldn't do, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And that word grieve means what you think it means. To affect with sadness, cause grief, to throw into sorrow. I had to look it up. I was curious. It's the same grief the disciples felt after Jesus told them that he was going to be killed. It is the same grief that the disciples felt after Jesus told them that one among their numbers was going to betray him. And then one by one, they went around the room and pointed to themselves and said, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. It's the same type of grief that they felt. It's the same kind of grief Jesus felt before praying in the garden and just before he was arrested. He took Peter and James and John along with him and, he and we're told that Jesus began to be sorrowful, grieved, and troubled. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we're back. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I was so thrilled 
when I found out that this was the, the passage that Brian wanted me to preach on. Because I have seen this guy around town, and perhaps you have too. That really got me thinking when I saw him and imitators. It all kind of, in my mind, came together and clicked. Here, take a look. Maybe you've seen him too. Have you seen him before? Yeah, I got to know him. I got to spend some time with him. We had breakfast at McDonald's on, on, uh, you know, near Walmart on New Circle Road. And the lady at McDonald's called him Michael. It was awesome. So he so got to know him, even had him at the church for kind of for a morning. And we were going to film him and do some, some kind of like promo things for the calendar and didn't quite work out. But I had a blast. I hope he had a blast too. But got to know, got to know him a lot. Unfortunately, his dog ate his glove. So he didn't have, so he's got to get a new glove for him. But he, he, he started imitating Michael Jackson at five years old. He also became a Christian when he was five years old. That was pretty interesting. And he told me that his father is one of the ministers at Pleasant Green Baptist Church. And so I spent some time talking to him because I wanted to know, because he's good. He's really good. And I wanted to figure out what, how he does what he does. And this is what he told me. He said that say there's a song that he wants to do. And so he studies the music video for two hours. He studies it for two hours. And then what he does is that he will practice for 10 hours. He will film himself dancing that same dance. And after each time he dances, he's self-taught. After every time he dances, he stops. And he says that he watches the video. And he sees, and he does this. He sees what he can tighten up. And I love it. He's like, I got to see what I can tighten up. That's what, that's what he did when, when I was talking to him. So I got to thinking about us wanting to be imitators of God. And what we're really doing, and you following this list from God's Word, are areas that we need to tighten up. If he's going to put that much effort into being an imitator of God, or imitator of Michael Jackson, the king of pop, certainly we can put as much effort in being, the, in being an imitator of the king of kings. So we got to tighten it up. These are some areas that we need to work on. And just by the way, something else that he mentioned. He was talking about he prepares for each day. That he gets up, puts his hair on, puts his makeup on, and then he prays. And he prays that for, for God to be with him. He prays that he can help to spread, to spread joy around, around people. If you look up on YouTube, there's an awesome YouTube video of guys getting their lunch at Lee's Famous Recipe. And they're just having the best day. It's like we got dinner and a show. Because you know, he's like doing his Michael thing around, around them and stuff. But he prays and then he goes. And he says he also prays because he doesn't know if that day is going to be his last. That scripture right there, where God's word tells us to make the most of every opportunity. May we make the most of every opportunity so as we tighten it up, become more like Christ. 
So Ephesians 5.1 again says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. You know what coarse joking is? Coarse joking is that type of way that you kind of put a dig on someone and then they're offended and they come back, why would you say that? And you go, well, I was only joking. So we know what that is. But nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. So I don't know what we're going to talk about because that seems to take up the sum of our, our conversations but which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Did you see that part where it said these are improper? Some of your, some of your translations might say that these are not proper instead of improper. And I looked up that word proper because I was curious, because I kind of felt like there's something more there. And so looking it up on, on the, the uh, Blue Letter Bible app, the word proper means to stand out, to be conspicuous. So if we're not proper, it means that we are not standing out, which means that as a Christian, as an imitator of God, we are supposed to stand out. We are supposed to be conspicuous, which is the last thing that we want to do because we like blending in. We don't want attention. We'd rather kind of just, just go on without, without, just go along with the day. But as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as someone who is an imitator of God, we've got to stand out. We've got to be conspicuous. Scripture says, to not, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. This is very serious. And these words, the last words that I just read, is written to the church. It's written to us. We have to take this very seriously. We're done playing. Therefore, verse 7, Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all it consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. The gentlemen can take their places to pass out the communion. Wanted to focus on this last part and find out what pleases the Lord. Remember those questions that we talked about earlier? 
Those, those questions of what can I get away with? What can I get away with and still be a Christian? You know, there was a time that I was going through, I had a lot of questions. A lot of questions and I didn't have any answers. Until one time I was listening to the, uh, to the radio and a, a song came on for, uh, by Michael Card. And the song had, the, had these words in it. It says, sometimes questions say more than answers ever do. So what questions are you asking? If you've been asking, what can I get away with and still be a Christian? That says a lot. You're asking the wrong question. You might need to spend some time with God's Word, especially Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, and go through it and see those areas that you need to tighten up so you can be more of an imitator of God. But on the other side, may it become a question that we ask ourselves each day, maybe each time when we gather before communion, God, how can I please you? Lord, how can I please you today? And it's not a, you know, a difficult question or the answer isn't difficult because really the question or the answer to that question is found in God's Word. He reveals. We've just looked through it. So, but we must ask that question. Find out what pleases the Lord. Lord, how can I please you today? Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And each time that we gather, each time that we gather, when we take of the, the bread that represents Jesus' body that hung on the cross, and we take the cup that represents Jesus' blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, we are reminded of his love for us. We are reminded of his sacrifice for us. We're reminded of how he gave his life for us. And then we remind ourselves how we might give our life for him as we strive to be more like he is. Let us pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, as we gather, as the men come to, ready to serve the, the emblems of, of your son's sacrifice, Lord, we, we take these in, in remembrance of you, in remembrance of what Jesus did for us, how he gave us his all. And dear God, after we have this time of remembrance, may we remind ourselves how we can give ourselves for him. We thank you, God. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.